You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiniest Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Oh my god, so anyone who, like, tries to record podcast in the winter in Minnesota is just crazy, and I think I'm one of those people. You can hear it in my voice. Still sick. I mean, really, this cold just doesn't go away. Uh, I, I would love it to go away. I'd love to sound normal for an episode, maybe. One or two, that's all I'm asking. Eh, it'll be better. Be better soon. Soon as all the snow melts, and, uh... We could get on to spring and summer. I'll I'll have my voice back and and uh, get rid of this cold finally. All right. So welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host Aaron Frail, and this is episode 15. And I want to go ahead and talk about a relatively new movie. For once, I want to talk about The Ritual. Yeah, The Ritual. For anyone who has Netflix, you can go and watch The Ritual right now. Uh, spoilers. Yes. There are spoilers in my podcast. There's almost always spoilers in my podcast. So really, you know, you should be knowing now. What do you do? You go watch the movie, come back, listen to the podcast, and then you will not be spoiled. However, sometimes I watch movies so you don't have to. I would say that this is one that you really should watch. Uh, I was on the fence about it when I first saw it. I thought that it was going to be one of those ones that, that just isn't that good, but... Man, Netflix original content has has really surprised me with a lot of the stuff that they're doing lately. And I think The Ritual is up there. I think it's a really, overall, it's a really good movie. I would really recommend it. Uh, it's, a, it's a monster movie for all intents and purposes. So, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, uh, you know, you have a group of people, they eventually get wasted... Uh, one by one, and then, of course, you've got the person that survives at, by the end of the movie, uh, which is a very typical monster flick. Somehow, the, the the main character finds out how to beat the monster. But what's really interesting is it doesn't start off like a monster movie. It, it, it starts off like a little bit kind of like a creepy cult movie, and in a way, it is kind of a creepy cult movie as well. Uh, so it's a little bit monster movie it's a little bit creepy cult movie but i would say at the heart it's a monster movie i mean really when you're thinking about this movie when you're watching it uh 
you know, you find out pretty quickly that they're being stalked by a creature. However, the beginning of the movie uh, has some really great shots in there uh, that I think they really did the monster movie really well. Uh, so to kind of give you how it, how it, how it starts off, uh, there's some buddies, they're all, you know, talking at a bar, you know, uh, I'm, you know, they're in England and they're talking in a bar and they're, you know, what are we going to do for our mandate trip? And one of the guys is like, let's go hiking in Sweden. And all the other dudes are like, oh, hiking, that sounds terrible. And uh, then they decide later on to get some more booze, or at least one of the characters wants some more booze later on. So they stop at a liquor store and only one of the other characters goes in with him. And at that liquor store, the buddy gets uh, basically you know, killed by uh, some robbers. And for those of you in the United States, you know, uh, Britain doesn't have the same gun laws that we have. And, 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 you know, so you don't really get people like, you know, <laughs> like, like robbing a store and, and blowing away people. Yeah, like, like the guy had a baseball bat and like just beat the friend to death in front of the other friend's eyes. And, and the other friend is a little bit guilty because as soon as he saw that the store was being robbed, he hid from the robbers. And so the robbers didn't know he was there, but they were able to spot the other friend and they eventually like said, Hey, give me your wallet. Give me this, give me that. And then eventually they wanted his wedding ring and he refused to take his wedding ring off. And so that's why he was beaten to death. And of course the other friend that was hiding out, he, you know, he, he was holding his vodka bottle that he had picked up like a weapon and you thought he was maybe going to come in and save his friend and try and defend him and stuff, but he ended up just kind of sitting there the entire time, which, of course, you can't necessarily blame him for, because, you know, like, there are two dudes with weapons, and he was just a guy with a bot, you know, with a vodka bottle. There's more than likely that he probably would have gotten himself killed, too. And uh, he was quick thinking and, and hid and, and, and did a very natural human reaction, I would say. So I don't know if there's much of him to be guilty about, but that's a big through line of the piece of him being very guilty about watching his friend's death. So anyways, uh, because of this whole incident, they decide to do the Sweden hiking trip and they go up to a mountain, they build a memorial for their friend and they're very sad. And of course, the guy that was there witnessing it uh, is also very sad because he feels kind of responsible in a way. He was the one that wanted to go in the liquor store in the first place. He was the one that hid right away, didn't step up to save his friend. Uh, once again, you know, I would say it's a little ambiguous, the situation, because honestly, the robbers had weapons and he didn't have anything really, you know, and, and you know, I like... I think I was trying to think of myself in, in that situation, what I would do. And I don't know if I would have done anything different than what he did. Cause like, honestly, like, like I would have made the situation worse if I tried to attack them. Cause I probably would have just got my ass kicked. You know what I mean? Like, like it probably wouldn't have like, okay, now there's two people dead instead of one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he could have done. I mean, you know, if I were a ninja, maybe. Maybe I could, I could, you know, if I had some Bruce Lee type of, type of moves, you know, and could like, like, like block a, like grab a baseball bat in midair and yank it out of their hands and kick them and 
do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe I could have done something, but he's, yeah, so he's guilty. They make the shrine, and then, you know, they're hiking back towards the lodge, and one of the the hikers trips and hurts his leg, and they kind of have to make this decision. Do they take this two-day journey that they're originally doing, or do they go straight to the lodge, which looks like it's only about a day away, but it's through this really thick forest. And so they decide, hey, maybe we'll just go through the really thick forest. It'll take us a day. We'll be having drinks by nightfall, and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and, and just do it. And that's kind of where the spook comes on when they get into this forest. So they go into the forest, and uh, they come across this really super creepy cabin uh there's also some like they see dead animals and trees and stuff like that you know like it's really spooky and it it, this is kind of before you know it's a monster movie right so with the name like the ritual you think it's going to be some crazy satanic cult or something like that like like kind of a spooky cult but you don't really know what is going on in the beginning and it is super spooky in the beginning like they get to this house and it's really late at night at that point in time. They're not quite sure how much more they have to go. But either way, they decide to stop and stay in the house at the night. And there's this really creepy idol in the house of uh, this kind of man with antler arms. And and uh, and uh, it's like upstairs and they decide to sleep downstairs. And, and what's interesting is that night they all have these nightmares and uh, of course the main character's nightmare is that incident in the liquor store and and he wakes up with this weird like five pronged mark like something stabbed him and he's outside of the cabin and he comes in and finds out that all his friends were like one of them was screaming the other one had pissed himself and and the third one is like upstairs completely naked like worshiping the idol and they're all just you know, waking up from these nightmares where they did some weird stuff themselves. And so that's where you're thinking, oh, weird satanic cult, they're all being possessed or something. I don't know what's going on. This is creepy. And then, of course, they go through the woods afterwards, and there's, like, nice, creepy shots going on. Like, there's one time where you see, like, just, like, he's looking out into the woods. And these are very dense woods, and you see, like, a hand just kind of wrap itself around a tree and and you can't really like tell what it is. There's another shot where you see something move in the woods. Uh, Either way, eventually they get to where they have to stay another night, except this time they're staying in their tents. And uh, of course you hear something is out there outside the tents and then you hear screaming and then they find one of their uh, friends dead in a tree, just like, the uh the other guys and and meanwhile the hallucinations of of the incident at the liquor store start actually overlaying the forest right so the main guy starts seeing the friend getting beaten to death over and over again except he's like like there are shelves in the middle of the forest and he sees his friend there so he starts seeing this incident kind of go over and over uh so it's kind of spooky in the beginning. You don't really know what it is. And then eventually you do get a glimpse that they, you know, by the time you they see a dead guy in the tree, you start going, okay, this is a monster movie. There's something out there that's giving them these hallucinations. And, and uh, eventually, you know, uh, 
one it kind of picks them off all one by one and then eventually finally there's only two of them left and they get to the weird creepy cult town and uh one of them of course is sacrificed to this monster and then the other one the the main character kind of figures out how to escape uh and and they kind of say that one of them's going to be the sacrifice and the other one's going to join them so eventually you find out it's this ancient god in the forest and it's feeding off of regret and it makes them relive the worst memory that they have and so of course the main character is completely consumed by regret for what happened in the liquor store so that's the memory it keeps having him you know feed off of and so the ritual of by the name of the movie is it will accept him into this tribe of weird cult people so long as he keeps reliving that moment over and over again so he can like the idea is that it will let you live forever if every time it's around you think of your worst terrible memory and so uh he, of course, doesn't want to live life like that, and so he eventually figures out how to escape, and then eventually gets to the edge of the forest and, and finds his way out, and, of course, the demon thing chases him and, and can't really go past the edge of the forest, and so he walks off to the sunset, and, and that's the movie. Uh, overall, oh, overall, I thought it was a, a good good movie. The ending's a little weak, I would say, because you know it's a it's a how he beats the uh, the the beast at the end. He just you know he he just kind of flies by the seat of his pants, you know. Like he finds the cultists have guns, so he tries shooting it. It doesn't really die. Uh, by the way, the beast is kind of cool looking. It's it's this weird sort of half person, half uh, you know deer kind of I, I it's really weird looking uh and one thing that they kind of do very well in the beginning is they don't really show you much of the beast in the beginning like i think that's kind of fun about movies especially monster movies where you don't really see all that much it's not very clear what's chasing them uh or you see little snippets and you're like, what the heck is that? And they kind of do that throughout the movie. It's, it's never that clear what it is. Uh, but uh, then eventually you do see it. And it, it's cool, it's scary. So, uh, But I, I, I do appreciate that sort of slow build to the reveal of the beast, you know. I, I always, never a big fan of of monster movies that are like, like, look at this monster and how cool it is and how much we spent on special effects. And it's the first scene. So we left no surprises for you. Uh, you know, so I, I think they did good with that. Uh, yeah, but the ending itself, I would I would once again say he just kind of flew by the seat of his pants and just kind of did a bunch of stuff and, and, and got away. Uh, and, and, you know, it was trying to get him to bow down at the end and, and keep reliving that memory. And eventually he... He wills himself to to be okay with it and to to not be in that memory anymore. So, you know, there's there's that little part of it, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what else you could have done. So I think they did a fine job with what they did. Uh like just thinking as a writer, I don't know how else you could have conveyed that he's, you know, mentally getting over this image and so therefore unable to feed the god. 
uh, what it wants, you know? So I don't, I, that, that was sort of the idea, and I, I don't know any other way I can convey that in, in, in other than what they did, so in, in that sense that it's a, it's a fine, a fine job, but I would, yeah, I would recommend overall, go ahead and check out The Ritual. It's on Netflix, it's a, it's a, it's a fun watch. It's also very spooky, so it's a nice, like, watch it at night. I would say the forest shots are probably some of the best forest shots I've ever seen for making a forest look very, very ominous and very scary. Uh, so, you know, I would I would definitely recommend it, at least for the visual imagery of it. And and I would say that uh, overall, you, I, I'd say it's, it's a, good, a good watch. So uh, go ahead and check it out. All right. Next up, tuners. Chapter 10. John woke to see Ludie's smiling face. He gave the kid the finger and turned over in bed. Um, Ludie said, I've been sent to get you. I'm still sleeping, John said and refused to even look Ludie in the eyes. Regulation 341 of the Tuner's Pact states that waking hours are to be strictly observed during a state of emergency. Well, I'm not a tuner. Um, I, I really think you should, um, okay, fine, fine, I'm up. I can't sleep with you yammering anyways. Here are some clothes based on your size, style, and preference, Ludy said as he plopped the clothes on the bed. They were definitely skater clothing. Some of the brands were ones he didn't recognize. He had to assume they came from another universe. How'd you know my clothing style? We have computers that use advanced algorithms to scan social networks and internet traffic from various universes. It helps us delete videos when people accidentally catch a tuner on camera. Helps us get to them before they have too many views. It also happens to be a good fashion consultant when it has access to years of social media photos. Forget I asked. John put on new clothes and he motioned for Ludie to turn around. He could have given me access to the controls of the room. I accidentally closed the bathroom door and couldn't get it open again. You're lucky I found an empty water bottle. Oh. Oh, Ludy said. I was wondering where you got the lemon drink. <laughs> I'll get a cleanup crew. Do me a favor. Don't tell Abby. Why would I tell her? Never mind. The social intricacies of dating didn't seem to be on Ludy's radar yet. He looked like he was one of the younger tuners. But when John was that age, he couldn't stop thinking about girls. Of course, he couldn't stop thinking about girls now, so not much has changed. Can I see my father yet? He's still in critical condition. Hector really wants to talk with you, Ludy stammered. Fine, when can I go home? John pried. It's still at 97%. Tears in the fabric of reality don't heal with a bowl of warm duck soup, you know. Don't you mean chicken? Chicken? What's a chicken? Guess it's one of those universe things. John knew that Ludi was just the messenger. There was no reason for him to take out his frustrations on the kid. He sighed and said, Let's do this. Bring me to Hector. Hector's office was neat, orderly, and very plain. The man had no time for decorations and didn't have a family. The window overlooked operations and was opposite to the window of the conference room. 
John could see more of the technical stations below. It looked like operations monitored everything while the team tuned to different universes. John slammed his fist on the table while Ludi stood in the doorway, not sure of what to do with himself. Hector swiveled around in the chair and smiled like nothing had happened. I'm glad to see you had a good night, John. Screw you, John yelled. You did this to my father. I did nothing of the sort. It was the order of the Holy Universe. The what? They are an extremist religious group. They think that their universe is the only one that should exist. So they pop in and out at any point without any care for the damage they cause. If they lose a few followers when a universe is cleansed, as they call it, they'll find another universe full of followers waiting to join the fight. So why are they after me? It's a little more complicated than that. Remember the scenario I told you about? Too many weak spots and the bubble bursts? Yeah, yeah, I heard this before. If they're crazy cultists, then wouldn't bursting a bubble cleanse the universe? Why not just pop over a few and blow it all to hell? Because they're after you. Getting hold of a tutor is much more valuable than a cleanse. But why me? We're not sure. We've seen this before. They will invade a universe, grab all the tutors they can find, even the poor souls who even have the slightest chance of being one, and then POP! Look, the truth is, when I first started, recruiting was less disruptive to the candidates' lives. We'd scout them all and watch for people who could hear the hum. We'd observe for a while, and then approach the subject. It was all voluntary. A gig to make sure people didn't abuse the privilege of traveling between worlds. What if I don't want the gig? In the past, I'd send you home and leave my card in case you changed your mind. But now I can't do that. It's all changed. Once the cultists start showing up, it's become a race. For what? To find tuners before the cultists get them. John didn't have anything to say. It was unfair that people were trying to kill him for existing. He didn't ask for any of this. In fact, he wasn't sure he even wanted to be a tuner if cultists were in the picture. As far as he was concerned, his world was too much to deal with, and now it turns out that there's countless others. John wanted to go back to the days where he could just talk about girls with Rashawn. We do good work here. Some universes aren't even out of the Dark Ages. One machine gun, and you could rule the world with them. Tuners will protect them. It will protect the other universes. We let them evolve in their natural path. We don't interfere, Hector said. John was quiet. So you're going to join us, or what? Hector said. I can't force you. Once your universe heals, we can tune you back. We'll even give you some money to change your name and start over. I can't guarantee the cultists won't find you in your new location, but it's better than nothing. Regardless of what you decide, you can't go back to your old life. They will find you. John looked at the operations room below. There was a monitor blinking red. It showed that his world was 97%. He thought about everyone he had ever known. They had no idea that the fabric of their reality was about to tear open. He thought of his sister. He used to pretend like she was a monkey living in a tree. He'd climb up and pretend like he was living in a tree as a monkey with her. She didn't deserve to die so young. Neither did the people of his universe. I have one condition, John said. What is it? Hector asked. You keep my father safe. I don't care what happens to me, but my father has been through enough. You have my word. 
Report to Abby in the morning for training. In the meantime, go spend the day with your dad. He's still in critical, but I can sneak you in. Moody coughed. Both John and Hector looked over to him. They had both forgotten that he was standing there. Uh, could I go now? Ludi said meekly. Hector rolled his eyes and said, Yes, Ludi, you can go. All right, that was another chapter of Tuners. Uh, uh, you know, if you like my writing, if you like what you're hearing here, and you haven't heard already, I do have another book out there. And it's on Kindle Scout, and I appreciate if you go check it out and maybe give it a nomination. I will, you'll get it for free if you do that. Uh, so all you have to do is go to the show notes, and I'll put the link up again here and, and let you get it for free. Hopefully for all you regular listeners, I'll have a normal voice the next episode. Hopefully the Minnesota winter will relent and will take away its icy grips upon my throat and... and, and I'll be able to actually sound like 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 normal for once, maybe. I don't know. Being sick in the winter time, it's kind of hard, apparently. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. So remember, you got real paranormal activity on Mondays. You got my show on Tuesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, and then the Sandman's Lullaby, which will come to a podcast near you. All right, thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you're ever hiking in Sweden, bring a shotgun. <laughs>